Welcome to the Politocrat. I'm Omar Moore. It is Sunday, July the 18th, 2021. On this edition of the Politocrat, Boris Johnson as Jim Jones. The Prime Minister of the United Kingdom is now self-isolating after saying that he wouldn't and saying, essentially just refusing not to, along with the Chancellor, Rishi Sunak. A look at the absolute embarrassment and disgrace of Boris Johnson's latest, latest psychopathic move. Plus, how you can get in touch with elected officials. Going to be offering a comprehensive rundown of the Senate races that you really need to take hold of and look at if you are in the United States. Plus, some of the resources that you will need to start educating yourself and others over these next few months as we run up to the 2022 elections. All of that coming up next. Welcome back. And I hope this Sunday has been bringing you good things. Lots of lemonade um, rather than the lemons, although lemons are nice too. <laughs> but I hope, you're, I hope you're well. And I hope that um, this Sunday is seeing you um, in good spirits, in positive spirits, in uh, spirits of uh, love and compassion and Empathy, those are really important things. And um, those are things we have to hold on to and and exhibit. Of course, there are things that you should be upset about and angry about and troubled by because you should, as I've always said here, at least for the last, well, for quite some time, you should be uncomfortable with the state of the world that you're living in. You really should be. We all should be. I know some people are not, of course, but you really should be uncomfortable with the present state of affairs and the state of the world that you're living in. And you should want to, and I'm saying you, the proverbial you, should want to feel compelled enough to want to change the state of the world that you are living in. So that's the thing that I want to say to start off this edition of the Politocrat Daily Podcast. And then secondly, I want to thank you for listening. Thank you very much indeed for listening and your continued loyalty to this podcast. Please do not forget to spread the word about the Politocrat Daily Podcast and to subscribe and to get others to subscribe as well. It's always welcomed here and you are always welcomed and appreciated by yours truly. So thank you very much for spending some of your time listening to this podcast. It's truly appreciated and welcomed. Thank you. I did say that, and I did this, said this, I said this several episodes ago, that I was going to be doing a, another summer book giveaway. And true to my word, I will be doing that this week. I announce on this episode the giveaway that I will be doing and I will announce the winner of it this Saturday, 
July the 24th, 2021, on Twitter at the popcorn R E E L, and also here on this podcast on the episode coming up this Saturday. And the summer book giveaway number two is I'm giving away one copy of Zakia Delila or Delilah Harris's book, The Other Black Girl. It's a novel. It's her first book that she's written, and it's a bestseller, as you might expect. It's been getting some excellent reviews from all kinds of people, including me. I, I think the book is, I don't want to, I'm not giving anything away here. I think the book is a compelling, vivid read. And, uh, and that's all I'll say. I won't go any further. It's, it's definitely well worth your eyeballs to read this book. And wow, she is, Miss Harris is a, an excellent writer. And just what she does with this book, well, you just have to read the book. And one way you can do that is by getting a copy of it from yours truly. I'm giving away just one copy of the book. And I have posted a tweet about this at the popcorn, R-E-E-L. That's on Twitter. And it is Summer Book Giveaway 2. And all you have to do is retweet the tweet that is pinned to my Twitter account at the popcorn R E E L or retweet the tweet that is pinned to my account on Twitter at the popcorn R E E L. So those are the things you have to do. You've got one of those two options. You can either retweet the tweet or if you aren't already following me on Twitter at the popcorn R E E L, you can do that. And that will be your eligibility. So only if you retweet the tweet or follow me on Twitter at the popcorn R-E-E-L will you be eligible for this book, a chance to win the book. So I'll be doing the random drawing this coming weekend and announce the winner on the Saturday episode of this podcast. So this is an appreciation for you. I mean, this is another way of saying thank you, which is to, as I said yesterday, you know, I said thank yous are don't pay the rent and don't pay the mortgage. I think I said that actually yesterday or Sun or Friday. But this is another way to say thank you, and that is to actually um, give away a copy of what I think is a... Anyway, I've already told you what I think about the book. I think it's an excellent book. So there you have it. I want to announce that here. The summer book giveaway number two, as promised... And it will be a copy, one copy I'll be giving away of Zakia Delila or Delilah Harris's book, The Other Black Girl. And you can find the tweet that I have pinned to my Twitter account, which is at the popcorn R-E-E-L. So if you want to be eligible to win this book in a random drawing, then all you need to do is either follow me on Twitter at the popcorn R-E-E-L or retweet the tweet that is pinned to my Twitter account. Uh, is it called Summer Book Giveaway 2? That's the title of the start of the tweet. Thank you for that and um, hoping that um, you do um, get involved with it. The book is just fabulous. So there is that on this Sunday. One other thing I want to say before I get into um, the topics that I wanted to get to on this episode is one of the things I want to say is I want to check in with you and ask you about 
whether you have been taking walks during the last few days over the last few months, you know, I've over the last few months been emphasizing the importance of uh, health, your overall health, your mental fitness and your physical fitness. No one talks about mental fitness, you know, that just does not even get brought up. You know, I've had um, Dr. Kripe Key on um, a few weeks back. Uh, from the Mental Health Foundation in the UK. And we'd had a conversation, more of an introductory type of conversation about mental health and about um, what it is and what what we need to do and all those kinds of things on an introductory level. And one of the other things I've talked about a lot is the importance of getting tested and getting checked and getting a physical and going to the doctor and getting checked for everything and, and making sure that you are where you are on your health and you know what is happening with you and and how you're feeling because lord forbid something happens to you you know this is something that is so important and if you're not someone who's a hypochondriac unlike myself (laughs) if you're someone who is not really in tune with your health you might want to get checked and you may be someone who is afraid to go to the doctor whether you're a female, male, or otherwise. I mean, you may just, you know, whether you're transgender. I mean, this is not limited to genders. It's just human beings, wherever you are and whomever you might be, you may be, right? You may not want to go to the doctor. It's typically men, though, who, a lot of men who just don't want to go anywhere near doctors. And they just don't want to. They just don't want to know. And that, and again, there's all kinds of people who do this, but men are usually the ones who this is about, and they just don't want to know, some men. And it's, well, whatever happens, happens. And, you know, that's the kind of thinking and that's the kind of attitude that we all must reject. And we must turn around and say to ourselves, well, if we've got children or if we've got family who are relying on us, and eat, or even if we don't, how much value do you place on your own life? How much value do you place on your own life that you would absolutely say, well, no, I'm not getting checked. Oh, well, no, I'm not going to get vaccinated. Oh, well, no, I'm not going to wear a mask. How much value do you place on your own life? I'm not even talking about protecting other people from this horrible disease, this virus. I'm talking about you and whomever the you applies to who is listening to me presently. How much value do you place on your own life that you would say, oh, I'm not going to get checked out. I'm not going to get tested. I'm not going to get a flu shot. I'm not going to get vaccinated. I'm not going to get the jab. No, no. I'm not going to wear a mask either. I don't have to. I don't want to. I mean, you must place your life very, very low on your list of priorities if that is your approach. If any of those options is your approach, you cannot be taking life too seriously or you may not even like your life. I don't know. Again, this is to the people it applies to. But you cannot be someone who claims to love life and be pro-life and to glory in life and you don't want to put a mask on. You don't want to get vaccinated. You don't want to get checked out at the doctor's. You don't want to have tests on you. You don't want to get tested for COVID-19. You don't want to do this. You don't want to do that. You don't want to do anything. You just want to sit there and be lazy. And again, this is to the you whom this applies. And it's 
It's as if people who are in this kind of mode completely abdicate any of their responsibilities. They totally fritter it all away. No, I don't have to be responsible. I'm a libertarian. And that's the, the attitude again, is that people, there are people out here who just don't want to be responsible for anything. And yet they are, some of them, the same people who would be pointing at us, talking about, well, you need to be more responsible. You need to be this. You need to be that. What are you teaching your kids? You need to be a better parent. You need That's what they throw at us. And these are the people who don't shower for three weeks. You know, these are the people who, you know, let their dog crap all over the, the pavement or the sidewalk and don't clean up their dog crap that their dog has just emitted from their backside. These are the same people. And then they're pointing at you talking about, well, you're not responsible. You're this you're irresponsible. And then these guys can't even put a mask over their face. A again, this is the kind of nonsense that, unfortunately, the world is full of, uh, you know, and, and there's a lot of people who are following um, the protocol and doing so, so well. And now I say thank you to all of them who have sacrificed so much and certainly have lost people, you know, Lost people. I know people who have lost people. And I have, and I know people who are struggling right now with COVID-19, who have this virus and who, and I've said this many a time here, who are absolutely struggling. And to the point in which they don't have their voices, they are, have, they have long COVID, they, they don't know what's happening. It's very frightening. They can't speak. This is very, very bad. It's debilitating. You can't move. You can't... I mean, I know people, they can't move. And yet, meanwhile, you've got these people walking around here. Oh, no, I'm not putting on a mask. It's just utter lunacy. And I do wonder about the condition of people. And I want you to put on a mask, please. I say this because I want you to put on a mask. I want you to do your exercise. I want you to, if you can, if you are able to take a walk every day for 15 to 30 minutes a day. I really would like you to do that. And if you can, I would like you to run. If you, if you uh, prefer, run for 15 to 30 minutes every day or every other day. So let's say three days a week you run, right? For 15 minutes to half an hour. I'd say half an hour a day, right? Half an hour three times a week or half an hour every day you run or walk. You will start to feel better. You will start to feel better. And that includes how you feel mentally. That includes how you feel physically. That includes how you look if you're interested in those kinds of things. It does make a difference. So I want you to do this, please. And I want you to do it with a mask on because this Delta variant is running through this planet and it has no regard for your life or any other form of human life. It doesn't care. And at the very least that we can do, some of the people, again, this is to the you that this applies. The very least you can do is get vaccinated and wear a mask, please.
Hi folks, like so many hundreds of thousands of other people across the country, I've been pinged, I've been asked to self-isolate by the test, trace and isolate system after I've been in contact with somebody who has COVID, in this case, of course, the Health Secretary, Sajid Javid. And we did look briefly at the idea of uh, us taking part in uh, the, the pilot scheme, which allows people to test daily. But I think it's far more important that everybody sticks to the same rules. And that's why I'm going to be self-isolating until the 26th of July, Monday, the 26th of July. And I really, I know how frustrating it all is, but I really do urge everybody to stick with the program and take the appropriate course of action when you're asked to do say do so by NHS test and trace. And the reason for that is we're going tomorrow into step four. We're doing a, a big opening up. And that's quite right. If we don't do it now, then we'll be opening up in the, the autumn, the winter months when the virus has the advantage of the of the cold weather. We lose the uh, the precious fire break that we get with the school holidays. We don't do it now. We've got to ask ourselves, when will we ever do it? So this is the right moment, but we've got to do it cautiously. We've got to remember that this virus is sadly still out there. Cases are rising. We can see the extreme contagiousness of the of the Delta variant, but we have this immense uh, consolation and, uh, and satisfaction that the, there is no doubt at all that the vaccine program, the, the massive vaccination program has very severely weakened the link between infection and hospitalization and between uh, between infection and serious illness and death. And that is the vital thing. So please, please, please be cautious. Uh, go forward tomorrow into uh, the next step with uh, all the right prudence and respect for other people and the, uh, the risks that the disease continues to present. And above all, please, 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 uh, when you're asked to get that second jab, get your jab, please come forward and do it. Thank you all very much. That was the shaggy-haired dog at number 10 Downing Street, otherwise known as Boris Johnson, the United Kingdom Prime Minister, otherwise known as Jim Jones-son. Jim Jones, because that is exactly what we are seeing here. That was an announcement from Boris Johnson earlier today on his Twitter page. And I can tell you that the ratio of responses to the retweets, well, <laughs> the responses are winning the day, shall we say. And is not by a squeaker either. It is not by a squeaker. <laughs> Boris Johnson has been ratioed, but he's been ratioed by his own hunger for power. Because this is the reason he is in office. He doesn't give a rat's about anything but power and breaking the rules. Those are the two things he cares about. Breaking the rules is what he always does. And what you just heard there from Jim Jones, because again, this is really a, a reprise of Jim Jones in Jonestown. And what Boris Johnson is doing here, sociopath that he is, is saying two things at once. It's doublespeak. It's a classic Orwell. Right? Well, we've got to exercise extreme caution and very, very, we've got to be careful about this virus, this Delta variant. 
But it's important to remember that we've got to open things up because if we leave it till the winter and the autumn, oh my goodness, it's going to be even worse to open up then. But the thing is, is that what is even worse than opening up in autumn and in winter is opening in a summer when you're telling people you can go into places without a mask on and whether you're fully vaccinated or not. That is much worse than opening up in autumn or in winter. And that's exactly what Boris Johnson is doing. So-called Freedom Day, which is tomorrow in England, Monday, July the 19th, 2021. On that date, you are going to see People walking around with no mask on, people going to nightclubs when they're open, and there probably are some nightclubs open on Monday nights, and not required to wear any mask. There's not going to be any restrictions at all. And this is absolute, absolute herd immunity done the wrong way. Boris Johnson has said, and he wouldn't want to admit this, and he's never admitted it, but everybody who is aware of it, and some of those who were there, the people who were there know this. He said, and this is what I was trying to get to yesterday, and I said something else instead. He said that he'd rather see thousands of bodies stacked high than go to a third national lockdown. I kid you not. I kid you not. And and that's a rough assessment. That's That's pretty much what he said verbatim. He would rather see thousands of bodies stacked high then go to a third national lockdown. And what you are now seeing and hearing, dear listener, is Boris Johnson's wish. He would rather see thousands of bodies stacked high and that's what's going to start happening here. As a result of this daft, pathetic, and utterly sociopathic so-called Freedom Day tomorrow, Monday, July 19th, 2021. Yeah, it's a day that will live in infamy, to borrow a phrase from a certain someone. The logic of this is not logical at all. And Boris Johnson is absolutely dangerous for the United Kingdom, dangerous for England, dangerous at large for the UK as well, obviously, but dangerous for England in particular, dangerous for anywhere. He is too dangerous a person. And all he cares about is power, as I've said. He does not care about you. Oh, we want to... Make sure that we're sticking to the rules and not too... I mean, come on. When has Boris Johnson ever stuck to any rules? I think it is highly embarrassing and disgraceful, absolutely shocking for someone like this to be even holding office, let alone being Prime Minister of the United Kingdom. It is not a title he deserves. It is not a title he is fit for. This guy isn't even fit to be a game show host. 
Man, this guy is absolutely, in- I mean, incompetent doesn't really begin to describe it. It's calculating. And it's all an act. The hair, I, I mean, you should watch that video. And it's on Boris Johnson's Twitter account, at Boris Johnson. You can watch the video. And his hair is not combed. It's all, it's even worse than normal. I mean, this, is, this guy is all an act. I mean, it's just ridiculous. And this guy lies every single minute of the day. He is not a responsible person. He is not a leader. He's a libertarian and he's an authoritarian and he's a bully and he's a criminal. I mean, he is no better than these hooligans that run around here. He's a racist. I mean, there's no, I mean, this guy, his, his moral compass is all over creation. I mean, how many kids, again, I keep asking this question. And it's not me, I'm not the only one asking it. How many kids does he have? I mean, but people, people in England have lost count, as have I, of how many kids this guy has, from how many women he's had them with. Oh, this guy is impregnating everything that moves, every woman that moves. I, I mean, th- this is re- I mean, this is the kind of degeneracy that you've got running around in England, in number ten. It's a sleaze box. It's a total number ten is a total sleaze box. I mean, uh, this is what gets me because people, you must realize that just over 15 months ago, it was roughly 15 months ago now, that Boris Johnson, the Prime Minister of the United Kingdom, was literally at death's door. He was at death's door. He had this COVID-19. He was very sick. The press people at number 10 continued to insist that he was never on a ventilator. Or was he on a ventilator? I don't know. But usually if you're on a ventilator and you have COVID, it's curtains. You're pretty much done. And only a very few people survive from being put on a ventilator because it means now that you no longer have control over your breathing functions and you're relying on a machine to breathe for you. So that if they take you off that ventilator at the hospital and um, you have not improved your capacity to get oxygen in your lungs independently, you could literally be a few weeks or days away from dying. If a family member says, nope, we're, we're done. We're good. Not, not that we're good, but that we're done. We can't, we can't watch you suffer anymore. Do you know how many millions of families around the globe have had to do that? And many of those millions of families have not been anywhere near their loved one when they've given that order to say cessation of life. And they've never been able to be in the same room with that person that they've ordered that for, that they love their family member. Do you have any idea? Do people have any idea what that means? Perhaps you're a person who's had to do that. And I I, I must extend to you at this point my deepest and profound and heartfelt condolences. 
There are so many people around the world, not just England, but around the world, across the world, who have sacrificed so much because people in power have told them, follow the guidelines. And they've done this in some of these countries while they themselves are not following guidelines. Whether it's Brazil's president, Jair Bolsonaro, who, by the way, has been in some health trouble lately, hiccuping for 10 straight days. Uh, apparently, he has not been doing well. Then, uh, whether it's, whether it's um, Boris Johnson, whether it was the previous occupant of the White House, who himself was in the same position as Boris Johnson with this virus, whether it's uh, the mixed messaging that we're getting from the CDC over the last year or so, and even now, with people at the CDC going, well, this is now the pandemic of the unvaccinated. Again, I think that's such an irresponsible look. You can't start pointing at, well, this is the pandemic of the unvaccinated. That's not the messaging to use here. Yeah, granted, unvaccinated people follow and form 97% of the people who are in hospital for COVID. But is that really the messaging? Is to now demonize this is government officials doing this. Now, you and I is another story. We're not government officials. As far as I know, you're not a government official. And as far as I know, I'm not a government official. <laughs> Last time I checked. But is that really the best look for scientists now to be talking about this is the pandemic of the unvaccinated? I mean, you're only going to entrench these fools even more toward not getting vaccinated anyway. And to be belittling them now is a bit friggin' late. Why not have a clear message? Why, for example, did the CDC say, and this is Joe Biden's CDC people, I do not distinguish now. I mean, because now the previous lot of psychopaths are gone, right? They're out now. I criticized them when they were in office. Now here is a new group of people. And for the most part, they've done well. But the last two months, they've been awful with their mixed messages and telling people in May, as the CDC did, that, oh, if you're a vaccinated person, fully vaccinated, you don't have to wear masks. But use your judgment in this, that and the other scenario. But basically speaking, you don't have to wear a mask anymore. And I think that was the wrong message. Just like I said before, I think it was the wrong message for the governor of this state. The California governor. Gavin Newsom, to open up this state just over a month ago. I said then that I had mixed feelings about it because on the one hand, yes, there is the need to slowly get back to a, uh, a routine again in life that you enjoyed before this pandemic. But this is the wrong time to do that. That was my point then and it's my point now. And I think, and I said then, and I say now, it is too soon to open. This is not going to end well. And sure enough, this Delta variant has run through here like a steam train, like a freight train. And it's not stopping. It's like a runaway train. I mean, here in California, to the point now where in Los Angeles County, they have now urged, in fact, mandated, not even urged, they've mandated mask wearing indoors for everybody, vaccinated or unvaccinated, uh, vaccinated or unvaccinated. So the CDC talking about this is a pandemic of the unvaccinated. I think that's terrible messaging. I think the CDC has got to stop that. And what the CDC has got to do now is talk responsibly with the messaging. 
because people don't listen to these very good and very important press conferences, news conferences that they give now once a week. It used to be three times a week. I think it's once a week now. And this, this COVID task force, I think, has been very good for the most part. But again, the last couple of months, the CDC in particular, have really fallen down here with the messaging. And to start talking about this is the pandemic of the unvaccinated. Don't create divides around a disease. Don't create divides around a pandemic, I should say. Because there are some diseases that do attack particular groups of people. What the CDC must do is message responsibly. What Boris Johnson and the Tory government must do is message responsibly. And more than that, particularly when it comes to Boris Johnson and his shambolic government, is to act responsibly. You don't walk around here with no mask on. You don't walk around here partying and living it up. You don't walk around here groping a woman's backside breaking lockdown rules. You don't walk around here driving to to Durham Castle or wherever the hell Dominic Cummings drove to so that you could test your eyesight, which is something he famously said. And here in the US, you don't go to these fancy restaurants while a pandemic is raging. And they've since apologized. I'm not going to mention it. You know who they are. I've talked many times about this. People doing this, it's so irresponsible. And it's a, you want to talk about dividing. You divide people real quick when you are an elected official going to places that you shouldn't be in and telling everybody else, you, me, and all of us that we know, that we should stay home. And you're at the French Laundry. You're at this place. You're at that place. It's just so irresponsible. It's not even irresponsible. Again, it's not even irresponsible. It's so freaking calculated. And you don't care because the rules don't apply to you. So when Boris Johnson says things like, well, we should stick to the rules. Stick to what rules? The Johnson rules? I mean, this is what's going on. So, look, I don't want Boris Johnson to get COVID-19. I don't, I don't want any of the people that I've talked about to get COVID-19 because it's nothing to fuck with. It's nothing to play with. And I want people to exercise responsibility because that's what's thrown at us. Personal responsibility. And then these blankety blanks, they're not doing anything personal or responsible. They're doing whatever the hell they want to do. And it is not making anybody more secure or safer or confident in their ability to lead. And it gives these crazy people out here, and I'm not even going to mention them, who don't think any vaccination should ever happen, right? An excuse to continue doing what they're doing. Well, he's doing it. Why can't I? Well, she's doing it. Why can't I? And that's the kind of monkey see, monkey do attitude as well. There's never a thought of, well, he's wrong. I'm not going to do what he does, even though I'm pissed off that he's doing what he's doing and I have to stick in lockdown mode. And I have to wear a mask. It should not be the barometer for what's sensible or what's not. But like it or not, and I have to understand this and I do understand it, people do follow the example that the people in power who lead 
and I put that word lead in quotes, set. So if the leader in the government that you are living in or that presides over the country you're living in, I should say, is behaving responsibly, physically distancing, wearing a mask, practicing all the kinds of protocols that you're supposed to, then more people are likely to follow that example. If you've got a leader, however, who isn't wearing a mask, is visiting places that they shouldn't visit, is doing things that are irresponsible, then you're going to get a number of people going, well, to heck with this. Jesus. I mean, obviously it's okay. Look what he's doing. Look what she's doing. Look what they're doing. I'm quite fine to just sit here and do nothing because, heck, the blooming prime minister's not doing anything. I mean, Boris Johnson's had to self-isolate at least twice since he nearly died. I mean, I'm not joking here. I'm not exaggerating. At one point, they were. this is all through news items and stories, whether it was the, the Times of London or other places. They detailed how there were plans for Dominic Raab to become prime minister. They were literally drawing these things up in Downing Street. And for a while, you may remember, dear listener, last year, if you, particularly if you're in England, if you're in the UK overall, you may remember that a lot of the statements that were being made at the time of April of 2020, when Boris Johnson was literally, I mean, this guy was very close to dying. I mean, again, I am not joking. The news is out there on it. You can do simple searches. And you may remember that during that time in April and into May, Dominic Robb, April and May of 2020, was making a lot of statements. He was the, and he still is the Secretary of State, right? And he was, and he's also the, um, well, he's a, he has another title as well, which for some reason I've temporarily forgotten. But the point is, is that he was making a lot of public statements. He was coming out and making these statements, and he was essentially being called the acting prime minister at the time. And quite frankly, Dominic Raab, to me, is one of the most soulless and incompetent people. And I mean, again, I really shouldn't be using that word because I just think a lot of this is calculating. I don't think he's done much of anything as a Secretary of State. I really don't think he's done much of anything. He, he's been very ineffectual. He's not done anything with the family of Harry Dunn to get that uh, person who killed their son extradited from here in the U.S. back into England. That's not happened. And it's just pathetic that that's not been done. Not to mention everything else. And that was the guy giving statements to the country. I, I mean, it's shocking. And this guy is not up to it. He's not up to the job. He's just not up to it. And this is the real concern. You've got people who don't care about leading. They just care about power. Because that's the truth of all of this. There is no way these people care about leading. They care about being in power. They want to prostrate themselves all over power's altar. And it doesn't matter whether power is crapping on them or not. They just love to be awash in it, in the filth of it, in the exhilaration of it, the aphrodisiac nature of it, the destructiveness of it. They love all of that, and they don't want to relinquish it. I mean, Frederick Douglass 
said this many moons ago. Power concedes nothing without a demand. It never has and it never will. And Frederick Douglass's words are as true today as they were 150 plus years ago. Like so many hundreds of thousands of other people across the country, I've been pinged, I've been asked to self-isolate by the test, trace and isolate system. Oh, shut up. I've got... Yeah, 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 okay, whatever. You know, this is, again, again, I, this is ridiculous. And um, I've said all I've had to say about the, this is a, this is not a leader. And again, I think the, the thing that I wanted to add to what I said in the previous block is this, is that people, if they want a change in England, in the United Kingdom, if they want a change in England from what you've got in at number 10 Downing Street, you will have to vote out Tory members of parliament in your area. It's just that simple. You're going to have to do that. Will people in England do that who like their Tory MP? Well, they're probably not going to do that. But it's very clear to me that the way you get rid of this authoritarian, libertarian government of bullies and criminals is to start eliminating from office in a vote at the ballot box Tory MPs. I, I'm sorry, they're not helping. This is the reason why the people in at number 10 have the power they've got. And so I think it's incumbent upon people in England when you've got these by-elections and so far in the last two by-elections at least it seems like people are catching on. Chesham and Amersham where the Lib Dems won a month or so ago maybe, uh, yeah, back in June I think it was and then also um, another seat that was earlier this month at the beginning of the beginning of the month at, in Batley and Spen where the Labour Party won. And of course, I've talked about her a lot. Kim Leadbeater, who's now into her first, well, in, you know, in her first month or so of being an MP. So that's two elections in the by-elections that people seem to be saying enough is enough. I hope. I hope it's a trend and not just a, a flash in the pan. I really do hope that uh, this continues because this is how you get rid of an authoritarian and libertarian government that doesn't care anything about you, but just cares about lining his pockets and staying in power. And these Tories are toxic. So, you know, we've seen austerity. We've seen what has austerity done for England? What has Brexit done for England and the UK at large? It's taken one big giant dump on it, on both the Eng in the English and on the UK at large, it's taken a giant dump on the UK. And no one wants to talk about Brexit. Now, you can't hear a word about it now on any of these media news networks. They don't say a darn thing about it now. You can go to the Guardian newspaper and you'll find stories on that. And Polly Toynbee will write stories on how Brexit has failed because it has. And Polly Toynbee is a good uh, journalist and has been for a long time now. I remember reading her columns and her reports many moons ago.
And you can't find Brexit anywhere on the lips of anyone except the people it's hurting. And the people it's hurting are not getting time on BBC News, on Sky News or anywhere. I mean, this is shambolic. It's shambolic. So, yeah, he can just, you know, Boris Johnson can just go home and comb your hair. Really, I mean, this is, this is disgraceful. Comb your blooming hair. Can you put a comb through your hair? I mean, is it, would it kill you to put a comb through that head of yours? Uh, you got world leaders you're talking. You're representing something. I don't know what that is. Uh, it's, just, it's just really disgraceful. It's disgraceful. I want to turn now to the elections coming up in the United States Senate. And I had also long, not long promise, but I said that I would be doing this. Over the last few weeks, I've been talking about this, that I wanted to, with you uh, on an episode, run down the Senate races that are geared up and are on their way for 2022, because it's important that we start to educate ourselves and each other now. Consider this part of your summer reading, dear listener. Because I do think this is important. If you are listening uh, to this podcast right now from the United States of America, um, I do urge you to pay attention to this because you may or may not be aware of what I'm about to say. On the 8th of November of next year, 2022, there will be 34 U.S. Senate seats up for grabs. 34. That's more than one-third of the 100 total seats in the United States Senate. At this point, at this moment, in this day, 50 of those 100 seats are held by the Democrats and 50 of those seats are held by the Republicans. Vice President Kamala Harris is the tie-breaking vote. Therefore, the Democrats control the Senate. It's a power-sharing agreement, but the Democrats control the Senate because of, by virtue of the fact that in the White House, you do have a Democratic president and you have a vice president who is a Democratic uh, president of the Senate, obviously, right? So that is the difference. She cast the tie-breaking vote in the event of such And the majority leader is Chuck Schumer, who has been the minority leader for a number of years, while Mitch McConnell, who is is really chomping at the bit to get his old title back, and hopefully you won't allow that, is waiting in the wings, seemingly, as the minority leader now. How does it feel, Mitch? How does it feel? How does it feel? (laughs) This guy can't feel anything. Come on. Oh, come on, just look at this guy. Can he, can he, I mean, can he feel anything? I don't know what Elaine Chow, put it this way. Well, I'll just leave that alone because that's personal. And I don't think that's uh, for me to say, right? Whatever goes on in a marriage goes on in a marriage. And uh, it's not for me to be um, taking those kinds of pot shots at Mitch McConnell. Um, and certainly not at Elaine Chow either, because actually, even though Elaine Chow is uh, also uh, really not fit for purpose in that job, 
um, that she had as transportation secretary under the previous administration, that criminal outfit that she served, um, I, I would at least uh, spare her from any kind of uh, attacks because, you know, um, anyway, maybe I, maybe I just uh, dug, dug myself a little hole there. But look, what I want to get to, dear listener, is what I've just been saying about the United States Senate. There are, on November 8, 2022, 34 Senate seats in the United States Senate up for grabs. It's 34 of them. It's more than a third of the Senate. That's a lot of Senate seats. And of these 34 seats that are up for grabs in 2022, 14 of them are held by the Democrats. 20 of them are held by the Republicans. So almost, I mean, this is what we're really looking at here, right? I mean, I just, this is really incredible to me when you really think about this. Almost two thirds of the seats are up for grabs are being held by Republicans. Almost two thirds of these 34 seats. Here's what you've got to think about. In some of these Republican seats, there are people who will be retiring or not seeking re-election in 2022. They are retiring. The all, in fact, all of these are retiring. It's not even that they're obviously not seeking election. They're retiring from public life, period, from public office. And they're all Republicans in the Senate. And by the way, I should say that over the last five years, there have been at least 100 to 150, if not more Republicans, who have quit the U.S. House or quit the U.S. Senate. There have been more and more and more. And I'm telling you, it's because of this right-wing extremist lot you've got now coming in. And that's who's taken their place in a lot of these districts. But I'm going to announce to you the five people that we know so far, and there's at least one other name that I think should be on this list, and he's probably going to be on this list right before the election, or right, you know, next year sometime when he probably will announce that he's not going to run. He's just keeping his cards close to the vest at the minute. And here are the five Republicans in the United States Senate who will not be running for office in 2022 for the election on November 8th of that year. They are quitting. Richard Burr, he, of course, used to be the head of the Senate Intelligence Committee. He is also the one who was looked at for insider trading, potentially, allegedly. And the FBI apparently investigated and found no wrongdoing and didn't bring charges or any of that. Richard Burr is also the one who, um, you know, well, he, I think he voted uh, for the uh, conviction of Donald Trump. I think he did the second time around. Because there were five Republicans, I think, who did that here in this year, 2021. Uh, I, think it, I think he was one of them. I know that Cassidy was, um, Mikowski was, I think Collins was. I know that um, Sass, Ben Sass of Nebraska was. And there was one other, but anyway, it was about five Republicans. But look, here are the names of the five Republicans who are retiring from the U.S. Senate 
2022. They will not be running for re-election in November of that year. Richard Burr, Republican from North Carolina. Pat Toomey, Republican from Pennsylvania. I've already said they're all Republicans. Rob Portman from Ohio. Richard Shelby from Alabama. Did you know, by the way, that Richard Shelby used to be a Democrat? FYI. And Roy Blunt from Missouri. Missouri, a a state in this here country that has 100% of its COVID cases being the Delta variant. 100%. Keep that in mind. Now, all five of those people I just mentioned, they are out. So that's five seats that the Democrats should be chasing after. I don't care that one of them's in the Deep South. You have got to be chasing these seats. I think all of these elections, by the way, are very winnable ones for the Democrats if they get their act right. If they act right, they could have five more seats. That would take them to 55 seats. That would take the Republicans down to 45. And what that would also do for the Democrats is neutralize people like Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema, who are apparently Republicans. I mean, come on. Then you really, what you really have is 53 to 47. <laughs> but the point is, is to defeat this filibuster, you need 60 votes. And you need to end this filibuster anyway. I've said that before. I'll say it here now. But what I'm saying is those five seats alone, if you win those as a Democratic Party, You now go up to 55 seats, provided that you, of course, keep all the seats that you are protecting for next year's election. That's the important thing, too. But you now have a 55 to 45 lead. And it puts your party in position to really start to get some things done. And maybe you can drag five Republicans with you, along with you for the ride. Maybe you can get Bill Cassidy and Lisa Murkowski and Susan Collins and Ben Sass and you know maybe you can get those four and Mitt Romney five maybe you can get a Mitt Romney to come along with you now he's still a conservative don't get me wrong and he's still obviously going to traffic in an agenda that's destroying a lot of people's lives I'm only saying that The Democrats could get those five people if they get to 55 in these elections. And this is why these elections are so important. Now, I want to also preface this, dear listener, by also emphasizing that your local elections are important. In fact, I would venture to say that your local elections are more important than any other election that you participate in. Because you've got to know what's going on around you. It's like what James Baldwin said, and I've often quoted James Baldwin on this podcast. If you do not know what's gone on before you, you do not know what is going on around you. Which is why history is so important. You have to understand where you've been to understand where you are. And so this is the thing I'm talking about. This is the thing I want to plant in your minds the landscape of this Senate because the Senate is very important. It really is. This is about how people with power 
can allocate all kinds of refund resources and they will go to government to do it. They will have a, a, an agenda to do this. And it's the difference between getting things that help your state and getting things that hurt your state. And getting a American rescue plan and getting a stimulus check and getting eviction notices stopped and getting health care. I mean, there's so many things that make a real difference. And getting a commission together to investigate this terror attack, which now is not going to happen, at least. At least right now it's not. The um, Democrats are trying to do this on their own. And there's also the $3.5 trillion bill that was announced recently that the Democrats are trying to get passed without Republicans. Because the Republicans aren't interested in bipartisanship. That's all a bullcrap tool of lies. That they're, they're not interested in bipartisanship. And we've seen that. They don't even want a bipartisan commission. They, correction. They don't even want to debate about having or whether to have a bipartisan commission to investigate the terrorist attack on our country on January 6, 2021. They don't even want that. So you've got to forget this nonsense about bipartisanship. It's a bunch of lies. It's a bunch of tosh. So those five people whose names are just read out, you've really got to understand that this is the deal here now. Those seats, the Democratic Party have got to go after. And I don't want to see emails anymore from all of these people in the Democratic Party begging me for money, begging you for money. You've seen those emails if you subscribe, right? If you've donated to campaigns, the Democratic ones, you're going to get these emails from the DNC. And they will be asking you for money. And then you wonder, what are you guys doing? You know? What are you doing to even deserve the money? I mean, you run all these moderate candidates. You lost all these blooming House seats last November. What are you doing? And you've got to have a better strategy than this. Because it was mostly moderates who lost those darn blooming seats in the House last year. And that's the reason why the House majority has slimmed down to about seven or eight or nine. And it was something like 29 or 21 or so just months before the election of 2020. So what I'm trying to do here, dear listener, is to get you to think about this and how important it is. Because it could be the difference between having access to Planned Parenthood and abortion rights and not having any. You've got a Supreme Court that's absolutely hell-bent on taking everything away. You've got Republicans who are hell-bent on stripping away your voting rights and not even having any voting. I mean, these people don't want votes. They don't want voting, I should say. That's really what they don't want. They really don't want voting. They don't want you to vote. They don't want black people to vote, for sure. They don't want us to vote. And they definitely don't want people who are coming here from other countries to start voting. They don't want to allow any of that. They don't want Asians to vote. They don't want white college students to vote. They don't want elderly people to vote. I mean, they don't want Native Americans to vote. My goodness me. The highest incidences of voter suppression and downright voter stealing is targeted at Native Americans. 
That's just, I mean, that's something that doesn't even get talked about. Latinos, they don't want Latinos to vote either. These Republicans, I mean, you've got, you want to talk about a villain in, in the piece? The villain of the piece is these Republicans. And they are downright evil, and we've got to vote them out. And that means voting out whomever is running for these seats on the Republican side. We've got to vote those people out. And it's just that simple. And the Democrats have got to, by the way, run people who are going to be standing up for your agenda. You've got to participate in this and you've got to get in touch with the DNC. But not necessarily be giving them this money. Give it to an organization like Black Voters Matter. Give it to an organization like Voter Latino. Give it to an organization that cares, right? Like, you know, I mean, I can name a million of these organizations that really care, that really do care. Like Stacey Abrams' fair fight. Give, give her organization that money. The DNC. I mean, the DNC, when you asked them last year about whether or not um, groups like Nuestro PAC and Voto Latino and, and um, you know, Black Voters Matter could participate with Joe Biden and can Joe Biden come along and do... No, they didn't. No, no, we're not having that. We're the Biden camp's not going to do that. Why? I know he won anyway. won by a considerable amount, seven million plus votes, which I call a landslide. I know some people don't, but I do. Oh, well, it was just a little bit of, in these states, in these cities, it was only a little. Oh, please. He won by seven million bloody votes, okay? Oh, well, it was just a little bit here and it was only a few. Stop it. This is all part of the media meld, the propaganda. Well, it was only a squeaker. Yeah, okay, whatever. So what was 2016 then? You don't hear them crafting any myths and memes about that now, do you? Not when it comes to the numbers, the numbers, the numbers, the numbers. You don't hear that. But now it's, oh, well, it was just a few thousand. No, it wasn't. And even if it was, you've got to look at the bigger blooming picture here. Won by over 7 million votes. Over 81 million people voted for Joe Biden. And I really wish the media had done more on emphasizing that. Instead of playing, paying all this lip service to the lies of Donald Trump and going on and on and on about him. On and on and on. Every freaking thing he does now, the media's got a camera on him. Every freaking statement he makes. There's Twitter. There's Twitter. There's ye old Twitter. Ye oldie Twitter. There to record everything and put it out there and we all react to it. And why? Why give this guy any more oxygen? I mean, I'm giving it to him now by talking about him, which is why I'm going to stop and get back to what's important, Right? which is we've got to vote Democrats into these seats. Otherwise, you're going to see what you're seeing in Texas with Republicans breaking the law. And, oh, I'm going to arrest these Democrats who are taking a principal stand in the House in Texas and saying, no, we're not going to sit here and allow you to run roughshod over the friggin' country, over the friggin' state. We're not going to allow you to pass these voting laws that say you can't vote really at all. And you can't have drive-through voting. You can't have this. You can't have that. We're not going to stand for it. And so what do those Democrats do? They walked out of the House in Texas. And they went to D.C. And now you've got Governor Abbott, Greg Abbott of Texas. Oh, I'm going to arrest him. I'm going to strip this one of a title. I'm going to strip the other one of a title. Someone had their number two title stripped by the Texas 
state legislature, the Republican who le- leads that legislature. I mean, they, they're stripping your title. I mean, these people are so banana republic. They make banana republic look bad. I mean, they do. I mean, they are the real banana republic, folks. And it ain't pretty. And it ain't got Abercrombie and Fitch faces smiling at you or not smiling at you. This is no vanilla generic thing. This is real life. And these people want control and power. And that's what they're doing all this for. They want power. And they want to keep it. They don't want you to have anything. They don't want you to vote. They don't want you to think. They don't want you to walk and talk. They don't want you to have control over your own body. But what they do want is to stack people with guns. And by the way, did you know about that event that happened last night at the Washington Nationals baseball park? At It's called Nationals Park. They were playing a game of Major League Baseball there with the Nationals, who won the World Series, what, a couple of years ago now? 2019? And they were playing the San Diego Padres. Both of those teams are in the National League. Not that that matters to most of you listening, because I know um, you don't really care about Major League Baseball, some of you. But... That's not the point here. The point is, is that as that game was going to the sixth inning or to the bottom of the sixth, as it is called, and I'm not going to explain top and bottom. It's, it's, it's baseball, you know. But the point is, is that as that game, and I got this on Twitter, I retweeted this. I'm not going to play the sound of it here. But as they went to the middle of the sixth inning before going to the bottom of the sixth, you could hear these popping sounds. Bang, 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 bang. It's a ballpark full of people. First of all, many of them didn't even have masks on. That's another thing. And you could hear the, the, the players running to the dugouts. And then after that, bang, 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 bang. Come to find out that what you were hearing was gunshots. And not only that, they soon found out that the gunfire was coming from just outside the stadium, Nationals Park. And what happened was is that the game was suspended. I don't know when they're going to resume the game, whether they're going to do it today. I've not looked, I've not checked. So by the time you've heard this, um, the information, um, and the status about the games is probably going to be very outdated or whatever. But the point is, they suspended the game yesterday, last night, and did not continue it to the best of my knowledge. So there's probably going to be either continued today or called an official game because now in Major League Baseball, I think it's now five innings, or it's always been five innings, is an official game. But now there's some new rules that allow you to go to seven innings only with these double headers. You don't have to play a full nine-inning game. There's lots of reasons for that. Players union and everything else. There's gunfire outside a ballpark, or gunfire happens anywhere in the United States and everywhere. Obviously, we are the gun capital of the world. I mean, my God, we've got more guns than, than common sense, because common sense ain't common anymore. We've got more guns than logic. We've got more guns than we have good education places because, my God, these Republicans want to destroy education. They don't want to teach anything. They don't want you to learn about your history. Oh, they make critical race theory an issue when it's not. And everybody else is repeating it and respond. I mean, that's what they do best, right? Apart from steal the country and steal your vote, what they do best is message and message in lies, and then get you to respond to the garbage that they're lying to you about. 
so that there's a real actual conversation or to make it look like there's one and then blow that up into some kind of debate. Then they're on Fox and amplifying. It's what they do. It's their strategy. And we keep falling into the trap and the Democrats are the worst for it. They fall into the trap, as do some of the corporate news media, I think deliberately for them. But the Democrats do this and I think it's deliberately too. fall into the trap and they continue to keep the debate going. And then it's an election issue. And I think this is willful by the Democrats, too. They make this an election issue, but they never do anything about it. Just like the Republicans don't do anything about it. It's called a system that two parties operate in. (gasps) Take a deep breath, Omar. But where was I about the Senate races? (laughs) Where was I about these Senate races, dear listener? Well, here's where I am. Here's where I am. You've got 34 seats up for election. 34. 34. I'm going to read out each and every one. And by the way, I want to say this. The name that is probably going to end up on that list of other senators, the five senators, the Republicans is Ron Johnson. Ron Johnson's probably going to make it six. He has been vacillating back and forth about, well, I'm not sure. I haven't made the decision yet, but I think he's not going to run. And he's got good reason not to friggin' run because I think the FBI should be doing an investigation on his ass if they haven't already. I mean, this guy is so knee-deep in with Putin, it's just not funny at all. Knee-deep, but I don't know if he has any knee pads, but he, he, may, he may be uh, in that line of work. Before too long, because Putin just totally owns him. I mean, good Lord. And Putin also, owns, you know, look at that. Putin and that network's running rampant through England as well with these politicians. I mean, Boris Johnson has, has been has ties to some of these um, rich billionaire Russian magnets or whatever the heck they are. I mean, it's just anyway, that, that's a whole nother thing. But here are the, um, you know, they call, by the way, they call Ron Johnson Russian Ron for a reason. Oh, oh my God, Wisconsin, why did you do that? Why did you inflict that pain on us? Ron Johnson? Oh, God, is he related to Boris Johnson, by the way? Oh, dear, I just don't even want to think about it. That's possible. So here are the 35, excuse me, 34 seats up for grabs for next year's Senate election. Richard Shelby in Alabama. Lisa Lisa Mikowski in Alaska. Mark Kelly in Arizona. He's a Democrat. I'll just read out who the Democrats are. John Boozman, Arkansas. As Padilla, Democrat, California. Michael Bennett, Democrat, Colorado. Richard Blumenthal, Democrat, Connecticut. Marco Rubio, Florida. Raphael Warnock, Democrat, in Georgia. Brian Schatz, Democrat in Hawaii. In fact, I'm going to mention also the, also the Republicans as well. Mike Crapo, Republican in, in Idaho. My gosh. Tammy Duckworth, Democrat, Illinois. Todd Young, Republican, Indiana. Chuck Grassley, Republican, Iowa. Now, he's not announced that he's not going to run. Chuck Grassley, you must understand, he's pretty much nine zero years of age. I'm just mentioning that because... When we talk about Supreme Court justices and getting them to retire, shouldn't we be putting pressure on Chuck Grassley and getting him to retire? 
and quite frankly, for that matter, you can apply that also to Dianne Feinstein here in California. Can we get her to resign or retire and put in a Democrat who has a chance to really do something different and better than Feinstein, who is a basically a neocon in disguise, someone who um, always seems to vote, well, votes for things against the interests of people sometimes. Sometimes she does. And not the well, not the best senator from California that we've ever had, by far. Not the best. Here are the rest of the names of people who are running or not running, but their seats are up for grabs here in 2022. Jerry Moran, Republican, Kansas. Rand Paul, Republican, Kentucky. Now, if you know anything about Rand Paul, Rand Paul is the person who is sitting on the Emmett Till anti-lynching bill. He, anti-lynching act. The anti-lynching act, he has said forever, oh, I need to take a look at it. And he's still looking at it, apparently. Some 15 months later. Oh, I'm still looking at it. I'm looking at it. Has it said anything to you yet? Is it talking to you? Are all these lynchings of black folk moving you to do something, Rand Paul? I mean, I think the only action that's been taken with Rand Paul has been the guy who beat the living daylights out of him and broke, cracked a few of his ribs a few years ago. Remember all that? It's just, I mean, Rand Paul is such a wuss. And the other thing about Rand Paul is all he does is attack science. He's a very disgusting human being. He needs to be voted out, Kentucky. Can you do that for us? Can you do that for the country? On behalf of a grateful, blooming nation, can we absolutely get Rand Paul out of that Senate seat? Then you've got John Kennedy from Louisiana, Republican, another dragon. You've got Chris Van Hollen, Democrat, Maryland. Roy Blunt, I've told you about in Missouri. He's a Republican. Catherine Cortez Masto in Nevada, Democrat. Maggie Hassan, Democrat in New Hampshire. Charles Schumer, up for re-election. I don't think he'll have very much problem retaining that seat. Democrat, New York. I've told you about Richard Burr, John Hooven in North Dakota, Republican. Rob Portman, I've told you about him in Ohio. James Lankford in Oklahoma, Republican. Ron Wyden, Democrat in Oregon. Pat Toomey, I've told you about in Pennsylvania. Tim Scott is up for re-election. South Carolina, John Thune. John Thune, Thune, Republican South Dakota. Mike Lee, Republican Utah. And in Vermont, Democrat Patrick Leahy. And in Washington State, Patty Murray, Democrat. And I've told you about Ron Johnson. So those are all the people, all 34 of them, I just read out to you, who are running or up for, their seats are up for grabs. 34 people. And if you want to contact these senators and let them know what you want and let them know that the For the People Act must be passed, let them know. I know that they've already said, oh, we're not debating, but you want to be putting pressure on them right now. Call their offices, please, please, at 202-225-3121. That's the generic office. That's the congressional, D.C. congressional switchboard. And then you can ask for whichever senator that you would like to speak to. One at a time. You can't say, oh, well, I want to speak to this one and this one. You've got to do one so that then the operator puts you through to whomever you say first, the first name. Then you have to call back if you want another one. So you can do that. Please do that. 
and tell them if you leave the voicemail, because most likely you're not going to get a live person. If you do, it's a staffer and you speak to them and don't be nasty to them. I mean, come on. Just tell them clearly and in no uncertain terms that your that these senders have to do the bidding that you want them to do. Otherwise, you're going to vote them out. It's that simple. It's that simple. I mean, there's no mystery to this. But you need to call them. And the way you can find out how to do all of that is you go to senate.gov and you can click on a tab near the top of the page that says senators. In fact, ahead of that tab, above that tab, you should see something that says find, F-I-N-D, find your senators. And there's an up arrow and a down arrow. Click on that and you will see all the states come up from Alabama all the way down to Wyoming. And you just click on every state and look and see who those senators are. And what you will see are their portraits and their names and their phone numbers. You can do it that way too. So you don't even have to call 202 uh, 202-225-3121 or 202-224-3121. You can go to senate.gov. Go to where it says senators. Above that should say find your senators. And click on find your senators. And it puts all 50 states up there for you. And you can click through every state Click on every state and see who the two senators are in each state. It's a really easy thing to do. And their phone numbers are right there for D.C. And I think they also have offices in their states. But the, the uh, you can actually see their phone numbers. They're accessible. Call them. Call their phone numbers up. If you don't want to call the D.C. switchboard, call up the senators with their phone numbers that they are displayed and leave a voicemail for them. Leave a voicemail or speak to the st- a staffer of theirs because they're not answering the phone. The staffers are. And you've just got to do this and tell them that you want For the People Act passed. You want the John Lewis Voting Rights Act passed. John Lewis, it was one year ago yesterday that he passed away. And we can't allow 60 years of work from him and from many, many others go in vain. We can't let that happen. We've got to get involved here. So there you go with that. And make sure you also tell these senators when you call them, but please, please tell them this. Do not forget to tell them that if they do not vote the way you want them to on issues, you're going to vote them out. And you've got to tell them if they are against the For the People Act, against John Lewis Voting Rights Act, against all these things that help you and help many others, You're voting them out. You are voting them out. And that's what you have to tell them. You have to leave that voicemail. They do listen to the voicemail messages because the staff has played them to them. They play the messages to them. Or they actually pick up the, you know, they listen to them themselves. You've got to do this. You can't have a society where it's floundering. It's been floundering for so long. At best. And we've got to take this seriously. To the people who aren't politically active. You've got to get politically active. And this is one way to do it. And we've got to start educating each other. That The Senate's very important. But local elections are even more important than that. So it requires us all to do our part. To get involved. And really make this something that we stick to. Not just now in mid-July 2021. But 
right through the election of next year and to continue to stay active after the election's over and after the swearing in is done. This is a perpetual thing. It doesn't mean you have to spend an hour doing it all the time, but just a few minutes will do of your precious time. Find out who these people have voted for, rather. How much, find out who, what kind of laws they're voting for and what kind of laws they voted against. Go to opensecrets.org and look at who's funding these people. The money that they're getting from people. Who are they taking money from? Get involved. Know what your government's doing. Know what your senators are doing. Come on, educate yourself about this and about the process. November 8th of 2022 is the next big election in this country. The midterms. We've got to get serious. I'm going to do more on this in terms of education and outreach and the kinds of things we've got to start mobilizing around and educating ourselves and each other about. We've got to do this now. We cannot wait until the summer of next year, just a few short months before the election, to start doing it. And I would urge anyone who has a podcast, particularly one that deals with political issues, to also be doing this if you haven't already. Because your audience needs to know about how to do all these things. Because a lot of people don't know. And only C-SPAN is the only network. And you can find them at cspan.org as well if you don't get them on cable. They're the only ones who are providing a semblance of what civics lessons are. But most other networks, oh, they're not doing anything. So we've got to do this. It's very important. This is what you need to do. Senate.gov and go to find your senators. It should be at the top of the page. And right underneath that, if you click on find your senators, you'll see all the states. And you just go through all of these states and get the phone numbers for these people and call them or call 202-224-3121. Or 202-225-3121. And make sure your voice is heard. Please. As Dr. King once said. The time to act. Is always. Now. Thank you very much for listening. To this edition. Of the Politocrat. I'm Omar Moore. (laughs) 